Even when I'm discouraged, I'll remind my soul of all you've done before. I won't be distracted, even in the distractions. I will trust the one who is greater than the storm. I will trust the one who is greater than the storm. And I don't need another reason. I don't need more convincing. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. Even in my darkest moments, this will be the truth I'm
church. Praise the Lord, Lord, church. He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. We're here to worship and magnify and praise the name of Jesus. It's a wonderful Sunday morning.
service this morning that will move among us mightily this morning. So let's just pray together. Father God, we love you. Oh God, we are serving a mighty God this morning. Jesus is your name. We love you. We adore you, Lord God. We exalt your name, oh God. We thank you for being so good to us, oh God. Father God, as we gather in your presence this morning to worship you, to magnify your name and to call upon your name this morning. We ask you, dear God, that you may cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all filthiness, O oh God. And that you will purge us with Isop, Lord God. Wash us and help us to be whiter than snow, Lord God. Father God, we ask you, Lord God, that you move mightily among us this morning. Let your will be done this morning, O oh God. Touch us individually and collectively, Lord God. I pray that you'll pour out your spirit upon us this morning. As we continue to worship you, Lord, we ask you to have your way among us, Lord God. We love you. Oh God, we give you all the glory and all the honor because you are great and you are mighty. We thank you in advance for what you're doing in this hour. Oh God, as we continue to praise you, in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And can we just continue to worship the Lord this morning? He is worthy to be praised. Continue to worship the Lord with us. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. We bless the name.
we need your contact information to be updated. One of the things that we came across, we did some mailings, we've reached out and made phone calls, we've sent links that ended up nowhere. And so we've, we've called out to you to, to contact us, and now we're going to come find you. Um, start <laughs> starting in December, uh, the first weekend in December, we're going to start to um, point at a screen and say, is this your address? Is this the right one? Because we truly want to keep you updated on all the things that we're doing, all the things that are going on. There's a lot happening as the ministries are starting to um, unfold as we begin this um, new uh, chapter in Christ-centered church. CSTI is uh, completing its uh, final uh, session today for the first trimester of, um, of this year. Uh, I've uh, spoken about Christian Science Training Institute. Um, it is a ministry that was created in Southern California. Um, the, the men that and women that are involved in that um, do such a wonderful uh, a job of training us for the mission field. And uh, Brother Hodges, who's been here, um, who uh, uh, his dad started it and he carried the, the torch for that, um, has um, really wanted to become a partner with us. And we would love to have more students this year. Uh, we have two new. Uh, the next trimester will begin on the first weekend in December. Um, if you've been thinking about that and you're not sure, come join us. You can sit in on a session. Uh, right now we're doing it with by Zoom. You can, after service, go home and do what you do. And then from 3 to 6 o'clock is when we do. Usually we finish before 6. But nonetheless, you can join us. And we'd love to have more students be along for uh, learning more about the Word of God and improving your relationship therein. Our next um, prayer breakfast will be on December the 4th. That will be um, on the first Saturday in December. The kids have a par party coming on uh, December the 10th. The only ticket for admission is your ugliest sweater. What we're looking for is the kids to have a great time. It will be right here um, uh, in the sanctuary, and uh, that will be at 7 o'clock on December the 10th, and it'll be finished at 8.30. Um, I've been saying save the date, um, and so once again, we will have our Christmas banquet on the 24th of, um, of December. That is 6 p.m. That is a Friday evening. Um, it's a wonderful time. Please join us. And then the, the last thing I want to share this morning is for you to really think this through. It's not just a calendar item, but you need to think this through. Um, we will have our traditional watch night service on Friday the 31st. So that is a Friday and then the first Sunday, Saturday, rather, in January will be January the 1st. And so we will have our usual watch night. We'll be here until after midnight. And then at 8 a.m. on that Saturday, we will have our prayer breakfast. We will bring the new year in with prayer. 8 o'clock. Have a great day. things are happening in the hour that we're living in and one thing just to keep you updated i know there's a lot of dates going around and going on we have a church web or church app so we want you if you want to keep up with the dates or whatever you know you can download our church app that will definitely keep you up to date with the most current information or the dates that you want to be reminded of so keep that in mind
Um, I, I want to share a brief testimony with you. I had uh, the privilege uh, last week. Um, I had a customer saw. I was in Philadelphia. I had a customer saw my truck. So you know when you pull up at a traffic light, there's a car pull up, and you can feel like someone is either looking at you or something. So I felt this. Uh, you know, I, I had my window wind up, and I felt this like look or something was like staring at me. So. The, this lady pulled up beside me, and she was looking, so I wind my window down, and she said, oh, no, I was just taking a picture of your truck. I said, no problem. So, uh, 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 actually, she called the same day she took the picture, and she called the office, and I uh, spoke to Ethan in the office, and uh, while she spoke to Ethan, um, it was the week that I got away for a few days, so um, we had a schedule after I came back. So I went back, we make an appointment to go see her. So I went by, go see her, Jewish lady, went into their home, uh, husband, wife, three children had in there, one in the arm of mom, the others were just staring at me, looking around, I introduced myself as I went in. So after talking, I have a conversation with uh, the guy, you know, we're there talking, and we're talking for a few minutes, and, um, you know, he said, uh, I, I truly, I didn't, I had a problem, I didn't want to wait that long, so I had to call someone else to come in, but I still wanted you to come. I said, no problem with all you respect. You're welcome to do whatever you want to do. So I went there. So after we have a conversation, start to talk about the pros and the cons and here and there and everything, you know, the guy turned to me afterward and said, um, there was something that came in there. There was something else, someone else put it that way, that came inside there with you. And so there, there are times um, you go into the surgery room and, you know, the surgeon came. And it's like the surgeon don't came by himself, but there is a spirit or something that came in with him. So this Jewish guy, after the conversation we had and we set up an appointment, he said, um, there was just something different about you. You know, and, and it, 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 you know, it struck a pain in me that, you know, we, we may not see, we may not know, but the impact that we do have in others' lives. And this is why the Bible can't be wrong going back to his words when it said, let your light so shine before men. You know, you walk in, you never know in whom's home you're going into. But by you going inside that home, you know, you just want to make sure your light shine and that God will get the glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So God is awesome. Amen. Praise God. Everyone takes offering time. Amen. Praise God. Um. You know, we're, we're in our REACH uh, Building Fund project right now. And um, for those of you that may not know, some of you already know, we're trying to raise $1.7 to $2.5 million. We don't know when the days are going to open for us to get everything come through, through the township, etc., etc. But we want to make sure once we get the call, we are ready to come with our money and said we're ready to purchase. We already signed contracts and everything. So we want to make sure we do our due diligence. So what, what I have in my hands uh, is an envelope that has a, a letter and a trifold brochure inside there that I, I'd like if you need one, don't hesitate to ask either the ushers, Brother Tom, Brother Henry, or some, one of us to get one of these if you want to be partner with us. The reason I'm saying this is that we want you to be a part of the miracle that God has for us. What we're trying to accomplish, you may talk to someone and say we're trying to raise 1.7 million to 2.5, and they said, with the small congregation you have, that's impossible. But if you look on the board, with man, all things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. Amen. So through the help of God, we can raise what uh, we're trying to accomplish. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, Brother Tom made mention about our 5 a.m. prior and our 9 a.m. prior. I just want to, a 9 p.m. prior, thank you. I just want to echo the 9 p.m. prior for those of you that are not signing on to the 9 p.m. prior, if you're not able to sign on to the 5 a.m. prior, we're encouraging you to do so. Why? Because there are things that are happening. There are a lot of things that are happening. And I can stand there and testify of many things, but I'll save that reserve for another time. Amen. But God is doing a lot of things. So we want you to be a partner with us, you know, whatever small or whatever large you have. If you know someone that can give us a check for $1.7 million, direct them to us. We will be glad to help them along the way. Amen. We want, this is a family of fear. This is for all of us. Amen. So we want you to be a part of the miracle one and for what God is doing in this hour. Amen. So give unto the Lord. We have a special envelope here for our REACH program. If you have uh, the tithes and uh, envelopes, the ushers have two different envelopes. They have one for the regular uh, tithes and offering. That is the requirement that you have to give. And this is for your REACH program for your building fund. Please make sure to fill it out legible, clearly, so that we can know where the designated funds needs to go. At the end of the year, you will get a statement. Amen. You can use that for your, your file uh, tax return. So if you give $1.7 million blessing the church, you will get a statement. Uncle Sam may be honored to say, okay, I'll give you a break this year. Amen. So be gentle, in what, be gentle and generous with what you're doing. Amen. So we're going to invite you all to stand with us at this time. Amen. If you want to give online, you can give to www.mycc.faith. If you want to give to PayPal, it's the at sign, Christ Center Church. And if you want to give to Cash App, it's the dollar sign, CCC2711. You can see Sister Patrice. If you want to give to electronically here, if you want to give our traditional way, we have two ushers in the front and one in the middle. Feel free to bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. Ready to give this morning? Amen. Let's just pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in this hour. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for all that you have already done in the service. Oh, Father God, as we pray this morning, as we're about to receive this morning's offering, we ask you to bless every givers. Those who have to give, those who have not likewise, make a way that they too can be a part of the miracle. They too can be a part of the blessing, oh God. We ask you to bless and keep us together as we come in the remaining portion of the service to you in Jesus' name. And everybody Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord. Amen.
Praise the Lord, somebody. Come on, we can do better than that. Praise the Lord, somebody. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just want to take two minutes of your time. I mentioned this in the 9 a.m. service, and I wanted to also let our online viewers know as well how grateful I am to each and every one of you that have sent messages, that have texts, that have hugged, that have sent flowers, that have just been there through this difficult time for my family and myself. It has been the roughest journey. In the, I mean, these past couple of weeks have been, I don't know, I have no words. But I do want to extend a sincere, sincere gratitude to each and every one of you. I do want to extend a sincere gratitude to the ladies and gentlemen, the saints of God who are logged on to our 5 a.m. prayer. Because, as I mentioned in the 9 a.m., those days, and even until now, it's still difficult to just get down and pray. But logging on to that 5 a.m. prayer and hearing the saints of God pray gave so much strength, gave so much encouragement. There are mornings where I just turn it up so the whole house can hear it. And then there are mornings where I just put that under my pillow and just hear the prayers of the saints. And all I can do is just cry, just hearing the prayers of everybody just going. And I'm just letting you know that if you have not logged on to this 5 a.m. prayer, I'm encouraging you to log on to the 5 a.m. or even the 9 p.m. prayer. Log on. You may not have the words to say, but I can guarantee you that the prayers will just help you through it all. Eventually, you will have those words to say. So please, I implore you, if you need somebody to send you the text or whatever, just let us know. But just logging on, coming together, and just praying. Oh, my God, you guys have no idea how much that helped me through these past couple of weeks. Even now, some mornings I've logged on and just nothing but just hearing those words, hearing the strong, boisterous voice of Brother Sharp and hearing Sister Josephine and just hearing everybody, just little parts of I hear everybody just saying something. It brought so much joy, so much encouragement, so much hope to me. So if you have not, I implore you to log on. Believe me, prayer helps. It changes things. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. We're doing the kingdom business around here. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me right now. We're going to pray for Jeffrey Thomas. He had surgery, and we want God to touch his body and to heal him in a miraculous way. And if there's anyone uh, that have prayer requests this morning and you would like to share it with us, if not, just slip your hand up. God knows, and we will pray together. Amen. Anyone else prayer requests? Your mother-in-law, that's right. Um, we need to pray uh, for um, the Brooks family because we know that Mariah and Michael um, lost, um, in Mariah's case, her mother, Michael, his mother-in-law, eventually. 
<laughs> you know, come on, I told y'all pulpit truth serum. You can't, you can't say nothing but the truth in the pulpit. I'm trying to tell you right now. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Pray for Stacy's um, nephews that they, that God will reveal himself to them. And for those of you that just have prayer requests, we're going to pray right now together this morning that God's will be done. You ready to pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather together and we touch and agree, oh God, seeking your will to be done, Lord. I pray this morning for Jeffrey Thomas, Lord. Let your healing virtue flow into his body that from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet he will be healed and be made whole. I pray, Lord God, that by your stripe he will be healed. I pray this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, O oh God, for Mariah and for Michael and for their family, that you will give them peace and comfort in these times, Lord God. I pray this morning for Stacy's uh, nephews, uh, Lord God, that you'll reveal yourself to them, uh, that they will come to know you and know the truth and be saved. Lord, I'm touching and agreeing this morning with every person in this house, with every person that is online right now, Lord God. I'm touching and agreeing with them for the need that they have in their life, that Lord, you will truly exceed the need that they have because Lord you will exceed the need I pray for brother Henry's mother-in-law sister Henry's mother Lord that by your strife you will touch her body she will be whole and be strengthened and be made healed almighty God we touch and agree this morning asking for your will to be done that Lord you will reveal yourself and say to the othermost Lord God heal our land restore our soul restore the joy of our salvation and save us, Lord, if you will, in the name of Jesus. Let everybody say amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. Don't forget our Christmas banquet on the 24th of December. It's Christmas Eve. And for those of you like me, that God is everything to me. And anytime I can, you know, make sure, you know, the things of God is incorporated in my life, I look forward to it. And so I think this is me. You might think differently. I think Christmas Eve is just probably the best time to have a Christmas banquet for the church. I mean, it's just wonderful that we can come together in celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ in just giving of gifts and loving one another and eating together and enjoying each other's company and fellowship. I just think it's just wonderful. And so our Christmas banquet this year is Christmas Eve, December 24th at 6 p.m. So we're going to get you in early so you can get home early. We know some family tradition is that they open their presents, you know, a little later in the night, Christmas Eve, and they don't wait till Christmas morning. Well, we'll make sure you get home just in time to open up your gifts. If that's what you do, we're trying to make sure everybody have a good time. We'll have good food. You'll enjoy yourself. Amen. I believe the cost is $60 for adults and $30 for children. $35 for children. They corrected me quickly on that. Uh, uh, they can't. They, they can't see that. But I guess I got to. No, no. Online can't see this. Can online see this? Okay. So the the thirty five dollars is for six um, kids six um, through twelve. It's supposed to be six through seventeen. Six through sixteen. And then isn't that it? And well, okay, whatever. Right. Can I tell you? Can I tell you a secret, church?
pastor will give everything away. <laughs> I'm just saying, I can't help it. I don't care nothing about nothing sometimes. I just want to make sure everybody's good, right? And I just want to make sure it works good for you all. So the people that make sure the church functions the right way and that, you know, you know, things are in order, they said, not your pastor, they said, adults, $60, right? Teens, 13 through 17, 35, and kids, 6 to 12, $10. That's what they said. Okay. If you can't afford it, you come see pastor and pastor will help you out. Okay. But I think we're all doing pretty good that we all can afford. But if you can't, because you know, things happen. If you can't come see pastor and pastor will make sure you're good. Cause I want to make sure you're there. Amen. All righty. Now, another caveat to that. If you go on the website, we have a banner that promotes our Christmas banquet. If you click on that banquet, that click on that banner, you can RSVP and even give your banquet money when you click on that um, banner. So visit the website. We've got a uh, church app. We've got website going. I mean, we're just so prepared to move into our big building. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you come into our little space. You're like, how you all have all of that going? <laughs> because we, 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 we're not thinking about where we are. We think about where God has taken us. <laughs> you see that? That's where God has taken us. Can I tell you, as Brother Scar was talking this morning, you know, God continues to deal with me on this. Let me tell you something, church, what we don't realize. In this area, we need an apostolic legacy like we've never had. You all don't understand that. Maybe later on you'll say, I get it now. But just hear me right now. In this area, we are desperately in need of a, an apostolic legacy that will continue until Jesus comes. Because if you look around here, one of the things that you don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of churches, apostolic, that are big enough. It's almost like all the apostolic churches, the most amount of people you can get in them, maybe 300, maybe 200. And, and, and this is the deal. When you're smaller, you tend to have less impact. The bigger you are, the greater your impact will be. And so we're not getting a building to say we're big. We're getting a building to have a legacy and to be able to have great impact in this area. That if the Lord tarries our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, nieces, nephews, all of our relatives will now become a people of the name of Jesus Christ. Because in this area, we are so caught up in our jobs, our professions, our education, all of this stuff. And God fits in wherever we want him to fit in. But he's not the same central focus and in Christ-centered church we're trying to establish a legacy where Jesus Christ is the central focus and if we leave this scene people will still come and fill this place that the next pastor will be looking for another place to build we don't have that in this area you find that and let me see tell me what apostolic church you know in this area where they have the legacy of we started here and God blessed us and we went here and we and they just kept building and kept multiplying when we hear those stories we're going to Texas when we hear those stories we're going to Louisiana when we hear these stories we're going to Mississippi we're not hearing that in this area if we're fortunate enough in this area one generation might do one building so what I'm telling you about this, it is so, it's driving me to say, God, 
I just want us to get to that place where we establish a legacy where people will know truth. Because in this area, people are religious. They don't know truth. They don't want truth. They're religious. And we're trying to establish an apostolic church where truth will be preached and people will be free because of truth. We don't want to build religions, religious groups and whatever it is. We we want people to have an apostolic legacy. We want it to be the norm where our children, when they show up, it it means something. They don't have to feel, because I think about these things, that our kids feel like they're on the outskirts and they're not somebody that's normal because they're apostolic and the rest of their friends around them are like, yeah, we don't do that. But when we build a strong legacy, our children will go into school like, oh, yeah, this is who I am. They will have a different position on how they present themselves. These days, apostolic children go to school and go into the secular world almost intimidated of who they are. We got to build a legacy that when we show up, people take notice. Just like what Brother Scarlett said this morning. That man took notice of him. And what he didn't tell you is the man said, when you walked in, an angel walked in behind you. We need to brag about who our God is. Because what we got, everybody ain't got it. We keep thinking this is just, we are just like any other. No, we're not just like any other group. If we are the people of the name, we're not just like any other group. Everybody may be gathering, saying they're having church, but everybody don't have this that we've got. And until they get this, they don't have this. So we better, we better wake up and realize we need to establish a legacy that our, our family members are not going to a building to be religious. But they're going to a building where the saints of God are gathering because the power of God is in their life. And they're living a holy and righteous lifestyle where they will be saved and pass it down to their kids and grandkids. We better wake up with that. Yesterday, you know, my kids um, had a basketball game. And so the coach said to me, you know, we're trying to negotiate if he can pick them up or I need to drop them off. You know what I said to him? I'm not going to be able to drop them off because I got prayer at 630 and you need them to be dropped off at 630. He said, okay, I'll pick them up. Back in the day, what we do? Well, I'm just not available. Tell him why you're not available. I'm praying. I I was waiting for him to say, you do that on Saturdays? Yeah, every day, bro. I wanted him to ask me some more questions. But it's all good. We're working on him because I saw him the other day when I went to pick my kids up from school. And um, he is saying, um, he said, I want to, one of the places I want to go so bad is Jamaica. I said, now their coach, he's from the Middle East. And said, he said, I want to go to Jamaica so bad. And of course, whatever chance I get to slip some Jesus up in, you know me. I said to him, I said, coach. You're going to love Jamaica. You know why you're going to love Jamaica? You're going to love the food there because it's just like the Middle Eastern food. There's a lot of ways how we cook that you all cook there because I was in the Middle East too. He stopped. Now he's staying straight. You was in the Middle East? I said, yeah. I was in Israel, but I want to go back to Egypt and I want to go and explore the whole Middle East. Now he all in. You better look for ways to let people know who you are. Look for ways to let people know who you are. Don't be shy of who you are. Our PayPal way of giving has been up, upgraded, updated, I guess. And so if you go and you want to designate funds to 
our tithes offering um, reach program, which is reach slash building fund. You want to do special offering, whatever you want to do. I think we need to add one more category, and that would be special events. And so, but if you go on our uh, PayPal app to give, you'll see you have the um, options of where you want to designate the fund. So please go and do that. Whatever we do here, we're all we're just doing it for the kingdom. There's no strings attached. It's just it's the kingdom business, you know. So just whatever we're doing, try to get involved. Try to get connected. Try to live for God. Try to live for God, church. Really live for God. Not be people that just come to a church building. Live for God. For real, live for God. Um, what else I have for you here before I get into the word of God? Because I can just keep on going, just talking like this. You know, the, you know. sometimes you just need to just, it just need to be plain like that sometimes, though. Sometimes we just need to talk. I'm serious. Sometimes we just need to talk because... Because, you know, we, you know, we, we treat this stuff too, too traditional and religious sometimes, and we don't realize that th- th- this is important that we understand the things that we do. My goodness. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going, maybe the word of God will clear up a lot of the things that I'm telling you this morning. And so one last thing, that envelope packet that Brother Scarlett showed you this morning, um, that for all of you that are a part of Christ Center Church, um, and you want to get involved in the REACH program to give. We have what we call um, commitment cards. And so if you want to get involved, we have commitment cards that we can give to you. And you can figure out how you want to give and how much you want to give toward our uh, purchasing of our building. So that's for you. But the, the envelope that he showed, if you know someone that you know is sitting on some money that wants to do something uh, you know, valuable, they want to give to what we're doing, then you get one of those envelopes and take it to them and say, I believe you want to do something really important and valuable and you want to give to something um, of a great cause. And so I want you to consider giving uh, toward our REACH program and you'll give them that envelope and in the envelope they have different things that they will be able to take out and read and go over so they're able to get involved. So grab an envelope. If you know somebody that's loaded, um, give it to them. They'll, they'll want to give, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, I just look all the time. I shake my head how money is just readily available in our world. And a lot of it, we're just wasting it. We're not doing anything. A lot of things we're not doing productive with our money. So whoever, you know, with money, let them do something productive with it by giving to Christ in the church. So we are able to establish an apostolic legacy that will last till Jesus come. Let's stand. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. I'll get you out of here in a little bit. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Amen. This Tuesday, we're going to have our Thanksgiving Day service. We want you to come. We won't have any leadership meeting Wednesday, Brother Scarlett. I can send a text or whoever, Crystal, you can send a text, whoever, to the the leadership group just saying that there will be no leadership meeting this Wednesday. Um, Take a break from that. Um, But this Tuesday is our Thanksgiving service. And so 730, we want you to come. Um, we're going to have testimonies. Um, so if you want, if you have testimonies of what God is doing, we want you to come ready to give testimonies. We're going to do some praise and worship. We're going to have a good time in the Lord. Um, we just want God. We just want to show God how much we are so grateful and thankful for what he has done. I think in my opinion, in my opinion, Thanksgiving is the best holiday we celebrate in this country. Y'all don't believe that. That's me. I just said me. I didn't say you're supposed to believe that. I think Thanksgiving is the best holiday we celebrate in America. 
because all the other ones, the, 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 the back story behind them get a little convoluted and, you know, a lot of other ways you can take it. But Thanksgiving don't go but one way. Giving thanks. Just one way. It don't go all over the place like these other things. Thanksgiving is about one thing, giving thanks. And if you know anything about it, which you'll hear about it Tuesday when you come, if you know anything about it, our government joined up with Thanksgiving, and it was a God thing when they decided to do that. So Thanksgiving to me, to me, is the best holiday we celebrate, and I love it. So to have a Thanksgiving service Tuesday, I look forward to it. And yes, I'm with all of you that we don't have to break this place down today when it's time to leave. We can just talk and we can just fellowship and we can say, what's up? And then we can, then we can walk out the door. We can look back and say, all right, I'm, all right, all right. <laughs> we getting a taste. We getting a taste of when we move in our building. We getting a taste. Oh, man. You know... This message will make sense to you, and God will allow certain things to birth out of different things that we're experiencing. And so the other day, Brother Scarlett um, chimed in in one of my meetings, one of my many meetings that I have um, um, here and there with, um, with, with lawyers, um, their secretaries, um, with engineers, with architects, and townships sometimes. And so I'm on these calls and Zoom meetings with these folks at times because to get to where we got to get to, nothing is simple, and everybody's trying to make a buck out of it. Nothing is simple. You want it to be simple? Not simple. And everybody's trying to make a buck out of it. The other day, we ended the call, and so the lawyer said, Pastor, you are the, um, what do you call me? Call me, um, I'm the checkbook. He said, Pastor, you're the checkbook, so can you tell us if we covered everything or we're good? I said, listen to y'all. That's how y'all look at us. We the checkbook, huh? But I just say, God, you have it all under control. I didn't come up with this in my own mind. I didn't start this process. I didn't come up with this. That building that we're looking at to purchase, I lied to you not. I was whining to God for many, many weeks saying how many church buildings are around that can't tell people how to have a relationship with Christ and tell people how to get to heaven. There's a lot of church building that exists and people are having church services and preachers are preaching and people are not being saved. And I whined to God about that. And when I was whining one day at my job, I was in Philadelphia sitting at my desk whining about that. And the spirit of God said, go look on certain, certain sites. I said, ooh, does that mean anything? And as soon as I went and looked at certain, certain site, boom, property pop up. I called. They said it's available. And it just started there. It, it, it wasn't something I came up with. I wasn't driving around looking. I was just whining to God. And I say whining because that's just what it was. I was whining about why we can't get a place and we will preach truth and we will, you know, you know, teach people how to have a relationship with Jesus and how to get to heaven. And so he opened the door right away. And um, as I told you, what the door that he's opened, nobody has done this for us ever. Nobody wants to sell their property and say they'll wait 12 months before they sell it. Nobody does that. And right now, real estate is hot like hot bread. And so nobody is going to have their good old property and say, well, I'll just wait a year to make the transaction. I'll lock you into the price right now, and I'll wait a year for you to do what you got to do. And then after the year, then we'll, you know, do the transaction. And, you know, the price is still the same. Who does that? Okay. So nothing that I've started with this stuff 
It had nothing to do with me. I just felt like I was following the spirit of God. You'll, it'll make sense to you after you hear the word this morning. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. Take care of my grandson back there. Don't let him all, you know, don't let his head hurt him. Take care of him. Make sure he's a good boy. He a good boy. Genesis 50 and 20 says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Jesus, I know that your presence is in the midst of us even now. Some of us have your presence living inside of us. Lord, you've shown us that you have given us angels that will be ministering spirits to us, that will be with us. And Lord, we have you greater that is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we thank you for being in us. We thank you for the angels of the Lord that you have dispatched to be, oh God, around us and watching over us and be with us. Lord, we're thankful for your word and for the power of God in our life and for the moving of your spirit and for salvation and restoration and deliverance. We thank you today, Lord God, for what you're doing in our life and in our homes and in our families. Jesus, I pray that you will help this congregation today. And when this is all over and done today, we will leave empowered, strengthened. We will leave, almighty God, passionate and desiring to fulfill your will and being strong and anchored in you today Lord I pray that the power from on high will overshadow us and we will experience a supernatural divine move of your spirit deep down in our soul let change come to our life that we will not be the same ever again but let the power of God move us into a new realm of the spirit I feel your presence, almighty God. Whatever you're doing, let it be so. Let it be done. For God, we surrender and submit to your will even now. Whatever the need of the people of God is right now, whether they're viewing online or they're here in person, oh God, will you exceed that need? Let it be so according to thy will. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's thank him today. Let's thank him today. Glory. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today on this topic. Circumvent the process. Forfeit the blessing. Circumvent the process. Forfeit the blessing. What I'm getting ready to preach to you about today only matters, only matters if you surrender your life to God. If you don't surrender your life to God, this message will do you no good. Because I don't want you to deceive yourself to thinking that whatever process you're taking yourself through, that it's God. It's only the process of God that we need to be concerned about, not the process that we have brought into our life, not the process that people have brought into our life, not the process of any man or any woman, but the process that God is taking us through. 
And so this word today is supposed to mean something to those who have surrendered their life to God. When we put our life in the capable hands of Almighty God by surrendering our life to Him, how do we surrender our life to Him initially? We surrender our life to Jesus Christ initially by repenting of our sins. We surrender our life initially to Jesus by getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That is the word of God. That is the Bible. And that's the first initial step in surrendering your life to Christ. You can say, God, I give my life to you. You can say, God, I, 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 I want to be saved. You know, they tell you in other places that you must confess and believe. You can confess and believe. But my Bible tells me faith without works is dead. And if you want to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you want to believe that he died and he rose and alive now and forever, you can believe that all you want. But if you don't do anything with your life in showing that you believe, then really do you believe? Do you really believe? So when you have initially surrendered your life to God because you're saying, God, I believe you. I believe your word. And so I surrender my life to you, almighty God. When we put our life in the capable hands of Jesus Christ by surrendering to him and being born again of the water and of the spirit, now we can claim this title today that we're in a process. He's taking us through a process. God is working out his process through the life that we're living. We are in a process. Mm -hmm. We begin an eternal journey of purpose as difference makers when we surrender our life to God. You see, God is not like man. And as man, we live our lives aimlessly many times. As man, we live our lives just being tossed to and fro like a wave in the sea or a chaff in the wind. As man, we just do our thing. And when somebody asks us, well, what are you doing? Well, I don't know. I'm just going with the flow. That's how we as humans live our life sometimes. Or we live our life aiming after things that is temporary. That's how we live our life. But God is a God of purpose. God is a God of, 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 of will and purpose. And so when you come into the kingdom of God by being saved, God says, now your life will have meaning and purpose. Now. There is nothing that's going to, you don't live for God just being tossed in the wind. You don't live for God just living aimlessly. You don't live for God by, well, we'll see how it go. That's not how we live for God. We live for God intentionally in all our ways. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all, not some of your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. 
And so I'm here to tell you today, when you put your life in the capable hands of God and you allow him to now govern your life, what you're saying is, I begin an eternal journey of purpose to be a difference maker. When you live for God, you're going to be a difference maker no matter what the situation is. No matter what life says, you are going to be a difference maker when you start living for God. When you don't live for God, I don't know what you may make as difference. But it will be temporary. When you live for God, the difference that you will make will be eternal. It will last beyond this life. This journey of purpose and being a different maker will come with struggles, will come with hurt, and will come with temptation. Church, Don't let hurts, don't let struggles and temptations stop you from living for God. Why, preacher? I'll tell you why. Because hurt, struggles, and temptation is going to come whether you live for God or you don't live for God. You hear me this morning? You're going to experience hurt. You're going to experience struggle. You're going to experience temptation. Whether or not you are living for God or you're living for God. So don't get mad when you're a Christian and you're living for God and when adversity come and struggles come and hurt come. And temptation comes. Don't you get mad and walk away from God. Don't you get mad and go back to doing what you used to do. Because that was going to happen whether you're living for God or you're not. Don't let the devil tell you, I might as well go back and live for the devil. I might as well go back and live for the world. Why? What will the world promise you eternally? What will the devil promise you eternally? So don't don't deceive yourself. Don't listen to that voice of Satan in telling you you might as well go back and be this and be that. You might as well go, because you didn't have to worry about this. And you didn't have to worry. About, that's a lie. I can go back and look at my life. And guess what? I still had hurt when I wasn't living for God. I still had temptation when I wasn't living for God. I still had struggles when I wasn't living for God. I still had adversity when I wasn't living for God. So I'm not going to let that dare, dirty devil trick me and telling me, oh, when you live for God, you shouldn't have to experience all of that. So you might as well come back and live for me. Go sit down somewhere, devil. We're going to face these things whether we're living for God or not. The process of the Lord is often lengthy, unpredictable, and challenging. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost help me today, so you're going to have to bear with me till the Holy Ghost let me loose, till the Holy Ghost decide, okay, we come to a close. Shauna, how easy was it? Zuri, how easy was it Sylvia, and I can go on and on. How easy was it to go through school and get your degree? Tell me. Tell me how easy it was. I want to hear. Who, who, who want to tell me it was easy? Nobody don't want to stand up and tell me? You don't want to tell me, Sylvia, it was easy? Shawna, you don't want to tell me it's easy? Zori, you don't want to tell me it was easy? <laughs> My point is, why would we complain when we start living for God with all that God has promised us? Why 
Why are we going to complain and worry about the struggles and worry about the lengthiness of what we got to do, the unpredictableness and the challenge? Why are we now worrying about it? You know why? Because you're living for God and the devil don't want you to live for God. So he's going to start bringing up things into your mind and bringing up things into your life to make you think, why should you be living for God when you're going through all that? You need to tell the devil, devil, I went through worse than that when I wasn't living for God. The process of the Lord is not easy. It's lengthy. It's unpredictable. It's challenging. Consequently, we think sometimes it's punishment. Yeah, there's people that become addicted to drugs become alcoholics, making their way through college because they had to abuse their body to accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So don't you call what God is taking you through, the process that God is taking you through, punishment. Not to mention, you, you didn't have to deal with the life that Joseph had. And Joseph is the one that we're reading about this morning when, said, when he said in verse, um, chapter 50, verse 20, that you meant it for evil. Mm-hmm. Joseph would disagree with us today with our thinking of thinking, oh, it's so hard living for God. Oh, all of this stuff I got to do. Oh, you're the preacher that, at that church. That's why I don't go to no apostolic church because they keep telling me I got to be holy. They keep telling me I got to dress this way. I got to dress that way. They keep telling me I got to pray all the time. They keep telling me I can't go to no apostolic church. Let me just go to another church. Well, go to another church and let's see if you get to heaven. Let's see if you get there. Because it makes no sense for me to know where to go that they're going to teach me how to get to heaven, how to have a right relationship with Christ, and I'm going to be worrying about why the, the, the things that i got to deal with, the process that i got to go with. Not worrying about it. Not worrying about it. Because anything that's worth having, anything that's valuable, is not going to come easy. So don't think you making it to heaven. Don't think you having a relationship with God. Don't think that's going to be easy. Circumvent the process. Forfeit the blessing. If God make a promise to us, whether he spoke that promise to you, whether you read that promise in the Bible, whether a man of God, woman of God prophesied to you that thus saith the, the, the Lord, whether, however you got a promise made to you and it's from God, understand this. If God made you a promise, he will fulfill that promise. And the only way that promise will not be fulfilled is if you take yourself out of the process that he's taking you through. Circumventing the process will forfeit the blessings of God. Can I tell you this? What sometimes looks like a golden opportunity on the surface could be something that will set you back big time and ultimately cause you to miss out on your blessing from God. I mentioned to them this morning that Zoom seemed like a really good opportunity. Live stream, Zoom, 
all of this stuff that allow us to tune in into live preaching and teaching, but don't have to be present there. And I say this with all the love I can say it with, with all the compassion I can say it with. If you're sick, infected with disease, bedridden, stricken, you can't get out, or you're far away and this is your church and you really want to be here, but it's not humanly possible because you're far away, you're not included in what I'm getting ready to say. But understand this. As children of God, God didn't give us any other way but to assemble ourselves together. I understand that by law, the pandemic interfered with that. But as soon as the law allow us to come back together, we're supposed to come back together. Because we don't have any scripture that says that we need to tune in live stream. We don't have any scripture that tells us we need to get a live feed and that's good enough. Because what God knows that you don't know or might not understand is God knows we need each other. We need to be in each other's face. We need to connect with one another. We need to talk with one another. We need to fight with one another sometimes, disagree with one another. Because there's a scripture that talks about if you have aught against your brother, the scripture says, go to him. Go to him on Zoom. Go to him on live feed. So God is trying to tell us that regardless of how convenient live stream and Zoom and all of this stuff, no matter how convenient it is, it was never his original plan. And God don't have to change whatever his original plan is. It's up to us to conform to the plan of God. I know this gives us an opportunity. I'm not telling you I am, I am not disregarding it. I am not saying, I am saying, this is not God's long-term solution. This is not God's long-term solution. This is something that was used just as a band-aid for the pandemic. But we got to keep moving in the way that God said we got to keep moving. And so sometimes things will seem like, oh, great opportunity here. Because here's the stuff that's breaking my heart. This is pastor here. Maybe you don't feel that way. But I watch many people that took advantage of the opportunity and they're doing live stream and they're doing Zoom and this is the way they're having church services and it's been over a year now and they have never been back together with the body of Christ. It's just a fact. And the bottom line is I'm not sure if they intend to come back with the body of Christ because they thought that this was a good opportunity and this now have led to a place of stagnation, has led to a place of complacency, and this was never the will of God for us. And so whenever we put ourselves, this is what temptation is, and we have to be careful. Whenever you put yourself in a place, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. Don't give them a foothold. Don't give them an opportunity because you got to know yourself. You got to know yourself and to know what, where you should place yourself and where not to place yourself. You got to know yourself to know your weakness and know your strength. And one of the things you got to know is our life is set up where we enjoy convenience a whole lot. 
And when you live for God, church, hear me out. When you begin to embrace a convenient way of living for God, it's going to get you jammed up every time in your spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Convenience will get you jammed up all the time because convenience is going to tell you that, well, this is not all that bad. And before you know it, you're doing it with no intention of going back or you lie to yourself and say, yeah, plan to, but you never do. What am I trying to tell you? Sometimes you're living for God. You're in a process and you're going to feel like, oh, here's an opportunity over here. Here's an opportunity over here to, 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 to just kind of, you know, make this better. Did, did God word say whatever you're saying? Let, let's find the word. See, I've learned a long time in living for God that when I start to explain away my way of what I think how we should do things, I know I'm in trouble. When you're talking to someone and your explanation says, well, this is how I. I don't here. Here we go. I don't understand how you said I. You said I. And you're not God. So anytime, Tony, you got to explain the word of God and the ways of God, according to your understanding, you're in trouble. You better let this Bible interpret itself. Let God interpret his word. You don't interpret it how you think and feel because that's not the way it's supposed to be interpreted. Let the word of God tell you what you're supposed to be doing. Let the word of God tell you how you're supposed to be doing it. Not how you think it in your mind. His ways. His thoughts. Woo. For some of us, we may not try to circumvent the process. We will stay in the process. And we will claim we're letting the process take its course. But unfortunately, you get bitter in the process. Uh-huh. You're in the process, but you detest the process. You're in the process, but you de despise the process. Jesus said that, listen, he knew he was going to be embarrassed, shamed when they put him on the cross naked. He knew that he had counted that cost. And he says, but I'm good with it because he said he looked beyond it, the joy that was set before him. You and me being saved. Jesus looked at you and me being saved. So he just dealt with whatever he had to deal with on the cross. Because he knew they might have me naked now. They might be talking about me and giving me vinegar to drink. They might be saying, if you God do this, they might be mocking me now. But because I see all of you getting saved, because I see all of you getting delivered, because I see all of you getting healed, I will go through this embarrassment with joy. Who wants to be naked in front of people? Well, Jesus did that. And he did it with a good attitude because he knew what the purpose was behind it. He knew it. He never got bitter within the process. Some of us, we get bitter in the process. Well, I just go. But I don't agree. Okay. You forfeit the blessing when you stay in the process 
without a good spirit. The process is supposed to make you better, not bitter. Consider Joseph. He had very he had every right to react negatively toward those who did him wrong. He could have become bitter. He could have been a bitter man. The hurt he endured when his brothers sold him to the traveling merchants could have made him bitter for a lifetime. Anybody went through what Joseph went through. Not to mention the lie his slave master's wife told against him that caused him to be thrown in jail. He could have lived a life of bitterness for how he was treated. I'm here in the Holy Ghost today. And I'm telling you, some of you think that your behavior can be justified. Some of you in here today and hearing me are, are saying that you, you feel justified in some of your behavior. But I'm here to tell you the reason why God had me preaching to you this morning, this message, and the way he has me preaching it to you is because some of you have held a position of feeling like you're justified to do and to say and to act the way you do because you think that the way you've been treated and how people have come against you and how people have done you wrong you are justified in your behavior and I'm here to tell you Joseph wasn't like that I'm here to tell you Jesus wasn't like that and if we're going to see heaven we can't be like that as Joseph lived in Egypt as a slave the thought had to cross his mind there's no way that dream that I had of God making me promise that my brothers was going to bow down to me, there's no way possible that will come to pass. Because here I am now, slave. This man's wife lying on me, slave. I'm helping out these jokers in the jail, telling them their dreams. They leave me hanging. Nothing was working right for the brothers. There is no way he thought that this, that this, this could be right. And it seems like the longer he lived, the worse his situation got. At no time, Joseph felt like, oh, it's looking up for me. When he thought he was looking up, when he was in Potiphar's house, and he was the master over all of Potiphar's stuff, that's when he thought he was looking up. And all of a sudden, the crazy wife saying, you try to rape me. That's when he thought it was looking up. And now you got to deal with this stuff. Now you're going to jail. He thought he was rolling now. All right. I, I may be a slave, but at least now my slave master trusts me. At least now my slave master is letting me, you know, run his house. I may be a slave, but at least I feel like I'm worth something. And then here come the lying wife. It got worse. It never seemed to get better for that dude. The process God takes us through will sometimes have us wondering whether or not we really did hear from God. This is why, as preachers, pastors, we teach that if you are going to be a pastor, if you're going to be a missionary, if you're going to be an evangelist, whatever you're going to do significantly, you better know you heard from God. 
because it's going to not be easy so often. It's going to be challenging so often. Doubt is going to creep in so often. And the only thing you're going to be able to hang on to is, I know, God, this is what you told me to do. That's the only thing you will have is the word that God gave you at the beginning. That's all you will have at times because everything will seem to go haywire. And the only thing you're going to be able to hold on to is, God, I know you said this. Here's the reason why I repeated to you what I know the Lord told me where we are, where we are today. There's a reason why I told you that, because I got to keep reminding myself, too, that, God, I didn't do this on my own. I got to put it out there like that. You know, like, God, I didn't do this on my own. You guided this process. And so sometimes this thing gets sticky, a little challenging. The finance don't look good. But you started this. And I know in your word, whatever you start, you will see it through to completion. See, these are the things. You better know God and know what he says and how he operates and what his ways are. Because if you don't know those things, you will get to a place where you're just like, I don't know what else to do. You, you might feel like giving up. And so Joseph had to be wondering in his process, what in the world is going to happen from here? Because this doesn't look good. But you know what Joseph did while that was all going on? Joseph kept a good spirit. Joseph kept a good attitude. Uh-huh. And so I'm here to tell you, whatever the process is that God is bringing you through, you have to keep a good attitude. You have to have a right spirit no matter what it is. I don't care how it goes. You have to, listen, let me tell you something. Because I'm so transparent and I keep it real, I've always been a keeping it real kind of guy. I am going to get on your nerves. I am... Some days you're going to feel like um, I'm coming at you. Some days you're going to think it's personal. Some days you're going to get so mad at me. I, I, I don't know. I got to go someplace else. That's the thoughts you're going to get. But will you keep a good attitude and a good spirit and say, God, I trust you that whatever the process is that you're taking me through, you're going to see that process through to the end. This has nothing to do with the pastor. This has nothing to do with anybody else. I trust you so much, God, that whatever is going on, however I feel, whatever I think is wrong, whoever I think is coming against me, whatever hurt that I've experienced, I trust you so much, almighty God, that you will take me through the entire process for the blessing to come forth, for all things to work together. I know you will do so I'm going to keep on going and make sure I keep a good attitude and keep a good spirit. Telling you from experience. Telling you from experience. I thank God for all the days in my old church where I thought my pastor was coming at me. I thank God for all the days when I feel like everybody was just talking about me. I thank God for the days where I feel like, oh, God, did you ever call me? I thank God for all the days of all the struggles and all the challenges because I wouldn't be standing here today if I didn't go through that process. I needed that process to be here today. I needed that process to stand here today. So I don't despise nobody. I'm not upset with nobody. I'm not angry at nobody because I realized it was a process and God had to take me through it so I could be here today. 
Where is God taking you and you think it's going to be easy? No, you've got to go through a process. And whatever God wants to do in your life, you've got to go through the process in order to see the ending of it, in order to experience the blessing. So if you just think that you can keep on sidestepping God, you can keep on circumventing the process until finally the blessing comes, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. Let me step on your toes a little bit more. Some of us come to church sparingly. Do you know what that is? Circumventing the process. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my time with that. Yeah, it's circumventing the process. Because in your mind, well, I don't have to go today. How do you know you don't have to go today? What do you think God has in store? Do you know what God has in store? And if you know God enough, you know he's got something in store. But this is the way he's choosing to deliver it to you, which is you being present. It's quiet in here, I know. Because God is making me say some things today that I didn't anticipate no saying, but this is the Holy Ghost. This is how he works. And I'm telling you that when we miss church service, we are circumventing the process. Sometimes we miss because we're, we're, we're making decisions that, oh, I don't need to. How do you know you don't need to be here today? You're taking God's place because you know. I read in my Bible, and there's only one omniscient one. The devil is not even omniscient. There's only one that's omniscient. You know what omniscient means? All-knowing. Numero uno. One. His name is Jesus. That's the only one. So if you think you know you're good to go today, you, you know, you can take a break. Now you're saying you God. You omniscient because you already know, so you ain't got to be there. What role did Joseph have to fulfill for God's plan and purpose to come to fruition? Keep a good spirit. Keep a good attitude. Keep a good spirit, church. Keep a good attitude. Keep a good spirit. Keep a good attitude. No matter what the situation is. I'm telling you, I'm setting you up from now that I'm going to get on your nerves sometimes. I'm going to be rubbing you, rubbing you. I'm going to be rubbing you for weeks. It's going to feel like sometimes, well, I can't get your break with Pastor. Just like everything he say, go against what I think. It's going to be like that sometimes. But just remember this sermon. It's a process. I don't even have nothing to do with it if you want to be honest with it. Because when I get up here in front of you, God make me say what I say. So really and truly, the stuff that you come up with and say, Pastor, get on my nerves, it's really not me. If you want to get spiritual, it's Jesus. Why does Jesus have him saying that to me all the time? Why does Jesus make him have this attitude toward me all the time? Because the bottom line is, I love you, and I will die for you, and I'm here for you. So it's not me. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing through me. So when you get to the point where I'm rubbing you the wrong way, go tell the Lord, why are you rubbing? Why are you letting the pastor rub me like this? And he's going to smile and says, you really think it's him, huh? <laughs> you really think it's the pastor. <laughs> you know, you're sleeping on me. You know, God starts using our word. You're sleeping on me. <laughs> Stop sleeping on me. Stop sleeping on me. Like it's the pastor. Like the pastor got all control. I got all control. I'm the sovereign one. I'm the omnipotent one. It ain't no pastor. It's me. Oh, I want to blame the pastor and thinking that God is, is subservient to the pastor. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Those who face adversity the best are those who have a right spirit. And they look at things 
from this perspective, what can the situation teach me? What am I learning from this situation? What is God trying to show me in this situation? Those who seem to struggle the most when facing adversity are people who don't seek to find value in their affliction. Let me deal with this one. I can be controversial sometimes, but I've got to go with what the Holy Ghost says. Try to formulate it right sometimes. I always say me as a black person as a black person Stacy I don't want nobody treat me sympathetic I don't want no person making no special something for me I don't want nobody treat me like I'm some um, what they call um, victim leave me out of that y'all can do whatever y'all want leave me out of that leave me out of that I am not trying to be no victim. I am not looking for no special way. I am not looking for nothing. People are supposed to treat people equally. We got that. But what I'm telling you is I'm not looking for no special handout. I am not a victim of nothing. I don't want you looking no special way for me. I'm a child of God. And the bottom line is I don't look to man for nothing. Everything I receive and everything I will be is from Almighty God, Jesus Christ. So don't look to me and say, oh, you know, since your people's been treated bad over the year, we need to make sure. I'll take that someplace else. Not with me. Not a victim. Not a victim. I'm not looking for no handouts. Treat me like I'm supposed to be treated. No handouts. That one I know is controversial. Because everybody got all kind of different talks on it. But church, I don't have time to make life complicated. I make life simple. And you know what life means? I'm a child of God. That's how simple it is. I'm a child of God. And you can't do to me nothing except God allow you to do it to me. You can't do nothing to me except God says, I'm going to allow it. What did the devil say? Job only serving you because of what you do for him. And God says, okay, if that's what you think, I'm going to remove my hedge from Job and you won't be able to kill him, but do whatever else you want to do and see if Job still live for me. God's hand is up on his people. And if we want to run around here, want to be special victims, if we want to run around here thinking that we need special uh, opportunities, let me tell you one thing. I don't need them. God opened the door wide open for me. The door gets opened wide open, Stacy. And God will use who we got to use to fulfill his purpose in me. That's how I see it. You see it how you want. But I'm all down with Jesus. And everything that I need, everything that's supposed to happen to me, I look to Jesus and nobody else. That's how I feel about it. I don't want to hear all this stuff come to me about, oh, you know, we need to make special um. Uh, whatever for you. I'm good, bro. I'm good. Now, if Jesus is orchestrating everything for this to happen, I'm cool with it. But you don't have to do nothing special for me. Treat me like how you treat the next man or the next woman. 
We're supposed to be treated equally. I'm not, don't overlook that now. I didn't say nothing about, you know, treat me unequal. No, treat us all equally. The Bible says we are to love one another as we love ourselves. So we're supposed to love each other. So if we're treating everybody the same, it means we're loving each other. Now, if you decide you don't want to love me, but you want to do whatever you want, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of what you can do to me. I'm not afraid of you stopping my life. Everything that I am today and where I am today is because of Jesus, not because of nobody, not because of no system, not because of no political parties. Whatever I am today is because of Almighty God. That's what I depend on. That's what I depend on. So don't tell me about those other things. Don't tell me about this and this and that. I don't want to hear it, Brother D. I don't want to hear it about all that stuff. Because the bottom line is, when you start living for God, you put yourself into his hands. Did y'all forget that I said that at the beginning? You put yourself in his hands. And from that point on, he has preeminence. He has control. He has power. He has authority over your life. And if God has authority out of your, over your life, what are you worried about? He says, no man can pluck you from out of my... Oh, man. But we're getting caught up. In fear, political stuff, we get into these intellectual conversations when really just keep it simple and ask, what does the Lord say about this? And let's move on. Y'all going to get really uncomfortable. Maybe that's why I was telling y'all I'm going to rub y'all the wrong way. Maybe God, God set, set us all up this morning. Have me tell you I'm going to rub you the wrong way, not knowing when I was going to rub you the wrong way. I guess I'm rubbing you the wrong way now because I didn't know that's how I was going to go. The struggle in finding your purpose in God will cause pain. It will, you will be challenged. Hurt will come. I'm not telling you you're not going to get hurt. I'm not telling you you're not going to be disappointed. I'm just telling you that you're going through a process. And God has a great, he says, I know the plans that I think towards you. He already got it out. He got it laid out for you. He told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you was even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you and sanctified you to be a prophet. He's already got your life all set up. It's going to be glorious for you. So I'm only telling you just to not circumvent the process. So whatever God had for you before you was even formed in the womb, you will receive it. It will be fulfilled in your life. That's all I'm really telling you. That's all I'm really telling you. Don't try to get around the process. Don't try to sidestep the process. Don't try to do your own thing or figure it out to do it your way. Just trust the Lord. When it hurts, you go to God and say, God, this hurts. Remember I told you I went to God so many times and whined to him. Because I was frustrated about why an apostolic church that's trying to reach the lost cannot have the housing space to bring the lost in to reap his harvest. I went and whined to him about that. Let me finish up here, because God then took me in a different direction. The proper response to your adversity, to your challenges, to all that you're going through, is to pray. Listen to me. Sometimes prayer 
do not change what you think should be changed. But what prayer does is it changes the way you feel about things and the way you see things. So a lot of times when you're praying, you're praying for something. Usually, just be honest with me. Usually when we're praying, we're praying for God to do something. Oftentimes, oftentimes, not all the time, he doesn't do anything. He does, he does something in you. And so however you saw it, however it was affecting you, when you pray, you don't see it the same way. When you pray, it's not affecting you the same way. He never changed anything on the outside. He just did something in you. Woo! And so when you go to pray, you ready for this? In Luke 22 and 40, Jesus in his situation, in his process, he thought about circumventing. <laughs> in Luke 22 and 40, and when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. He said, when you pray, pray that you enter not into temptation. What did he say when he prayed? Father, if thou be willing, circumvent this process. <laughs> circumvent this process if you be willing. Nevertheless, not what I really want. Because, you know, when the flesh kicks in, we say all kind of stuff. <laughs> when the flesh is getting the best of us, we say all kind of stuff. But Lord, even though I want you to circumvent whatever your will, not mine. Because I realize I came for a purpose. I'm in a process. So let your will be done. Let your will be fulfilled. And he says when he prayed, and there appeared, unto, uh, 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 there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. What did I tell you? Was the process changed? Did the process get circumvented? But what happened? He felt better. <laughs> and so sometimes we're going through the process and because we don't pray, we don't feel any better. So we still think about how we can circumvent the process because we didn't pray. Huh. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Listen, when the trials come, just understand, it's to make you better. The dominant question in our lives should not be, how do I escape my troubles? The dominant question should be, how must I act to glorify God during my seasons of struggles, adversity, and pain? That's what we need to ask God. How can I glorify you in this? What's the, when we say process, what are we talking about? A process, a systematic series of actions directed to some end. A process, a series of actions that produce something or that lead to a particular result. And so God have us in a process, which is a series of actions that produce something or that lead to a particular result. You might not know the exact result or end of what God is doing in your life. But if you will just trust him, not circumvent the process, 
you will see it. It will come to fruition. And one of the things I say is I am not coming this far to not see the end of what God has for me. Come on, somebody help me with that. I am not going to invest this much and not see the ending of what God has for me. The fruition come to pass. I've done too much. I've stored up too much. And I've gotten involved in so much of God. I got to see it through to the end, Brother Izzy. If you want to circumvent and realize at the end that you missed out on what he had for you, that's up to you. But I can't do that. The life between the promise of God and its fulfillment ultimately determine if we receive the blessing of God and the promises of God. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to take you to the closing. Joseph, when his brother came, And they saw him, still didn't recognize him yet. He could have really, really done them in because he was second in charge in all of Egypt. And when he had on the ring, he was over everybody. He could have really done them in. But Joseph kept a a right spirit. He kept such a right spirit that he was able to reconcile his brothers back into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you got to realize that they lived a lie after they threw their brother in the pit. And then after they sold him to slavery, they went home and told their daddy that their brother was dead. Well, they made him assume he was dead, made their daddy assume their brother was dead. So they're, 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 they were living a lie of what happened to their brother. So no matter how godly they seem, hear me, this is important. We can act godly. We can do the the, the traditional things that we do as Christians, but our relationship still could be fragmented with God. We need to check ourselves to make sure our relationship is right with God. Because Joseph's brothers, they thought that they didn't think it. I don't know if they thought it or not, but they lived a life like they were right with God. But they weren't because they had sold their brother into slavery and their brother was alive and they made their daddy believe their brother was dead. They were living that life. When Joseph met his brothers, he could have did them in. But because Joseph kept a right spirit throughout the whole time, Joseph was just glad to see his brothers. You think you can just, you, 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 you could have gone through all of that that was done to you, knowing who was responsible for it, and when you saw them, you were just glad to see them. What kind of spirit is that? It's not impossible to have. It's just that he kept on having the right spirit in all the situation he was going through. Why? Because his eyes was fixed on Jesus, Ethan. Whatever he was going through, he said, God gave me a dream. He made me a promise. And whatever is going on around me and in me, I'm trusting God to bring it to pass. And so I'm not going to let myself get bitter. I'm not going to let myself get all worked up and mad at everybody. I'm not going to disqualify myself from my blessing because if God said it, if God promised it, if God directed it, then guess what? It will happen. And I'm not going to forfeit it. I'm not going to forfeit it. And so Joseph kept a good attitude. And when he saw his brothers, he helped them get reconciled to God. We've been teaching about forgiveness, and here's a little portion of that. The bottom line is, when someone do you wrong, 
it means they're not right with God. I don't know why we don't realize that. If someone did you wrong, they're not right with God. So understand from that standpoint that if they lose their life at that moment, they're not going to eternity with God. Do you want that for them? Do you hate somebody that much that if they did you wrong, you want them to be in eternal torment? Because if they did you wrong and they don't make it right with God, then that's what's going to happen to them. This is why we should understand why forgiveness should be always be ready. We should always be ready to forgive because if we don't let them out of their situation, they're going to spend eternity in hell. So Joseph understood this, that my brothers are messed up. You see what they did to me? And so unless I have a good attitude, unless I make sure my spirit is right when I see them, they're going to miss out with their relationship with God. And so when he saw them, he treated them right. He loved them. And they were able to reconcile their relationship with God. In Romans, the the, the scripture calls us to be imitators of God. Joseph was being an imitator of God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 21, the scripture says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. They did evil. Joseph overcame that evil by doing good. Are we going to learn that as Christians or are we going to say, I just can't accept that? Oh, no, that's unacceptable. Or we're going to learn to be like Jesus and overcome evil with good. The Bible says only one is good and that's God. So when we do good, we're being like God. When we do evil, you know who we're being like. We got to overcome evil with good. You thought it evil to prevent the dream from fulfillment, but God meant it unto good in order to the fulfilling of the dream. Let me tell you something. At the end of the scripture, put 50 back up there for me, sister. Genesis 50 and 20. God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, today and forever. He never changes. And whatever he was in the Old Testament, we read about him. He's still that today. And here is something that you better get into your heart, into your mind about God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Now, here's where it gets heavy. To bring to pass as it is this day. What is going on that day? Joseph was revealing God's nature. Joseph was revealing God's characteristics. Joseph was revealing God's attributes. And so all that went on about all that, because Joseph kept a right spirit, God was building him up. God was working in him. God was establishing ways in his life of him, how he needs to live. And all that was going on, God was working in him, and he developed the attributes of God. He developed the characteristics of God. He developed the nature of God in his life. So now, when everybody saw him, 
they got a glimpse of the nature of God. They got a glimpse of the attributes of God. They got a glimpse of the characteristics of God. And church, God never changes. He did it for Joseph. Guess what? That's what he's after in your life. That's what he's after in your life. He wants his nature, his characteristics, his attributes to be developed in your life. So when you walk about, Brother Scarlett, when you go and visit your clients, they see you and they're wondering, who are you? Because there's something different about you. When Jesus was walking this earth, that's what everybody says. Who is that? Everybody was in awe of him and how he conducted himself. So that's what he's after in your life. So people can be in awe of who you are. So they can get a glimpse of who Jesus is. That don't seem to get you excited. Because everybody still want to be themselves and go to heaven. Finally. After he says, as it is this day, he says, to save much people alive. The Bible says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says, it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should be saved. He was trying to save us way back then from the garden. He's still trying to save us today. That's all this is about. God is calling us to the kingdom for us to go through the process of building up his nature, his characteristics, his his attributes in our life. So when we go about our ways, guess what? The world get a glimpse of who our God is because of how we live our life, because of the attributes we demonstrate, because of the characteristics we demonstrate. And then that gives them an opportunity to get saved because now they're going to look and say, wow. If that's how you are now, and some will know us before we were godly, and so they're going to realize that, man, I remember how you used to be mean and nasty. I remember you never even smiled. I remember every word that came out of your mouth was a cuss word, and they're going to remember all that. I remember you drank like a sailor. I remember all you did was smoke. You was high every day. People are going to know that about us. I know you couldn't stop gambling. I remember that, and they're going to know all of that about us, and then they're going to say, but you're not like that. And they're going to know there's a God why you are no longer like that. And they're going to want to know if that God did that for you, can he do that for me too? That's what this is all about. We don't need to get it all convoluted and get it all, you know, intellectual. That's all this is about. God is calling us to be saved and build up in us what he wants to build up in us. So we can represent him in this world, represent his his attributes and characters and nature. So that way people can be saved. That's what he wanted to do. That's all he wanted to do. And so he was able to do that through Joseph. Will you allow him to do that through you today? Will you allow him to do that in your life today? Come on, let's talk to the Lord before we get out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, we love you and we adore you. Oh, we praise you and magnify your name. For there is none like you, oh great God. You alone are deserving of all the praises, the honor, and the glory. There is none like you, oh great God. We lift up your name today, Lord. Oh God, you're sweet. Sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb. And we bless your name today, Lord God. 
I pray today, Lord Jesus, that your people will not allow themselves to be offended of the word of God, but they will respond with a right spirit. They will respond with an excellent spirit. They will respond in faith and obedience to your word today. That, Lord, when we depart from this place today, we will endeavor, Lord God, to keep the unity of the brethren. That when we depart today, Lord God, we will seek to be your example, to be your instrument, to be your conduit, to be the ones, Lord God, that will help to reconcile people into a right relationship with you. I pray today, Lord God, that our faith will increase and that the power of God will overshadow us and that we will be righteous and holy. Oh God, that we will trust in you like never before. And oh God, that we will follow after you and mimic you and do your will, Lord God. I pray today that you will bless and keep us as your people, that you will strengthen us as your people. Help us to grow and to develop the nature, to develop the attributes, to develop the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Oh God, hear our cry, our heart cries out to you because we want, Lord God, to be more like you. Because, oh God, we want to trust you and live for you, Lord God, in a way that will be pleasing unto you, that will give glory and honor to you, Almighty God. Have your way today, Lord Jesus. Yea, God, have your way today. We love you. We adore you. We praise your name, Lord God. Change our hearts, Lord God, and help us. Help us to commit our ways unto you, Lord God. Oh, God, to into your hands commend our spirit and our life that, Lord, you may do just what you want. You have the control, Lord God. Will you reign? Will you have, oh, God, the preeminence over us? For, Lord, we want to live a life that is pleasing unto you. We want to live a life, Lord God, that bring honor to you. Will you have your way today, Lord? Give us strength today, Lord God. Oh, Father, bless our families, our, our homes, Lord God. Keep your hands upon us, Lord God. And increase our faith. Strengthen us, Almighty God. God, we love you. We thank you today. We bless your name, for you are great. You're wonderful. You're kind. You're miraculous. You're awesome, Lord God. We worship and adore you. We worship and adore you. We bless your name. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus, we thank you for direction. Jesus, we thank you for your word, for the body of Christ, for the church of the living God. Oh, we thank you today, Lord, for keeping us, for getting us back on the right track, for speaking to our hearts, Lord God. Let your will be done. I thank you, Lord. Lord, will you keep your hand upon us? As we go from this place today, you will keep us, that no harm, no danger will come to us, but that the will of God will be done in our life. We praise you and bless your name. Oh, Father, for all these things we pray and ask in your name, in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody need to thank God today for his goodness. Thank the Lord for his goodness. God bless you, church. I love you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We bless your name.